It's the show for real people doing real work in social media. It's the Social Pros Podcast from Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, featuring Jeff Roars and special contributor Zena Wiest. Presented by Interactive Marketing Hub, Exact Target, and sponsored by Janrain, the leaders in social sign-in and interaction. Cision, giving marketers and PR pros tools to expand their exposure. And Xbeon, social engagement software for world-class companies. Ready to accelerate your social media? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, once again, live from a hotel room. Today, this is my hotel room. We are in Indianapolis, Indiana, for Connections 2013, the powerhouse digital marketing conference brought to you by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company. Joined, as always, by Jeff Roars from Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company. Greetings, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well. You look very, very, very nice in your silk robe and Hugh Hafner pipe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. These jammies are fantastic. That's the thing I like best about Connections. If you come here, they will provide you with silk robes. They, almost. Almost. There are so many branded items here. Silk there robes will be, will be next. Well, I for years I've been pushing for the branded conference Snuggie uh, because of the difficulty in regulating temperature that so many people have at conferences, and I, I completely appreciate that because... I don't know what it is about heating and, and cooling, but uh, yeah, apparently at conferences, nobody's able to keep a con- consistent temperature. But is Snuggie an exact target client? That's the question. I don't know. We could go with the slanket. You know, I actually have a slanket. How do you feel about that, using the number two body covering blanket? <laughs> I, I feel like Avis, um, but, but, in, <laughs> but in blanket with sleeves terms. We are joined uh, by somebody whose temperature is always regular, uh, Mr. Joe Jaffe, America's favorite South African, South Africa's favorite American, co-founder and CEO of Evolution, and co-author of the fantastic forthcoming new book, Zero. Zero Paid Media is the New Model. Mr. Jaffe, thank you for being here. I am pleased to be here, though I'm a little uncomfortable because this is also the uh, uh, podcast that is probably the most uh, inappropriate because I am naked as we speak. <laughs> uh, we ran out of we we ran out of robes and uh, and I was told specific briefing to be on this podcast you do need to be naked or I guess maybe it was meant to be more strict, uh, conceptual or figurative and I took yes. it literally right yes. we're right. very euphemistic yes transparency yes. transparency yes. authenticity open, open yeah. is really what we meant not, Thank God not for throw pillows yes. that's all I have to say <laughs> exactly we well, got to get her on time there's a limited supply of robes. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Evolution. I'm really fascinated by the company uh, and what you are trying to do in terms of connecting brands with startups. Well, I'll tell you that there are, there are two things I would say. And the backdrop for, the backdrop for uh, Evolution is uh, yesterday we heard Jim Collins' uh, keynote here at the conference. Amazing uh, a keynote. Um, and he spoke about a conversation with his idol at the time, uh, uh, Peter Drucker. And he said to, uh, to Professor Drucker, Dr. Professor um, Drucker, what's the best book? Uh, he was 86 years old at the time. And he said, what's the best book uh, that you ever wrote? And uh, Drucker said, the next one. And he actually ended up writing another 10 books after, after that point. Um, I have a different answer. Um, even though we're discussing my fourth book, Zero, the best book that I'll ever write uh, is, in fact, Flip the Funnel. That doesn't mean the other books before or after won't be great in different ways. But in terms of maybe <laughs> the most important truth, um, which, of course, I've incorporated into Zero, sure. this idea of, hey, without your customers, you're nothing. Um, 
that's the best book I think I'll ever write. Well, the biggest business idea that I think I've ever come with, come up with is the idea for evolution, not maybe evolution itself, but this idea that the future of marketing and the future of brands uh, is inextricably linked uh, and through the bridge that is technology. And so building this bridge between startups and brands, between Madison Avenue and Mountain View, to me is the biggest business idea. It's not a self-serving idea because it's not really about myself or my colleagues or even evolution doing well, making money. It's the fact that I really think brands can find their salvation in the form of accelerating, conducting pilot programs, investing and or acquiring startups. And and there are two nuances uh, about that. The first one is, you know, as we would say, what if Kodak had acquired Instagram? I mean, that is, you don't even need 140 characters for that elevator pitch. um, And people just get it. Every single person gets it. And then, of course, the idea is not for a billion dollars, for 100 million or 10 million or 50 million or 5 million. A free film. Yeah, it's this idea of, of early stage collaboration with early stage startups for early stage exits as well. That's another point that's important. I mean, as I said, when I gave my keynote at the uh, exact target uh, um, partner event yesterday, um, you know, I believe that the, that wall street quote, right? The bulls and the bears make money and the pigs get slaughtered. And I think a true entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur is a masochist. They love pain. They love the pain of creating, of getting their hands dirty, of being able to see their baby survive. It's not a, making money is a byproduct. Making money is, is a natural, even an unnatural outcome in a sense. Entrepreneurs want to create and yeah. they want to do it again and again and again. So you're thinking they want to get out, get out quicker as opposed to, to hold. I don't know that an entrepreneur wants to, I think there are two types of entrepreneurs, to be honest. I mean, there is the entrepreneur that says, you know, but get away don't come near me. This is my vision. I want to control it. Um, I want to do it my way. And those are the, and I'm not that type of entrepreneur. And I think, you know, as I said, if you want to be Mark Zuckerberg, go for it. I would not want to be Mark Zuckerberg. I would not want to have a miserable life in terms of uh, not being able to go anywhere in the street and, and, and be accosted the whole time. I, I don't want to be famous. No, but I mean, there are people that want to be that big, um, but I want to be that good. And that's the other type of entrepreneur that, that says, you know what? I've been working, I've been slaving, I've failed, I've failed again, I've failed a third time. I'd like to give something back to my wife, to my husband, to my family, to my community, to the world. To me, that's kind of an, a more interesting area. And so, and so that's what evolution does. Evolution is, I guess, a matchmaker, but a connector between the big brand and the small startup. Doesn't that take a... So I'm intrigued. I'm glad that you split out the two types of entrepreneurs because as you were... Presenting it yesterday, I was thinking about that because there are those entrepreneurs who want to build something kind of lasting for their community or what have you. Then it does take a certain type of personality to want to constantly be a creator and have a fearlessness. I think there are a number of entrepreneurs who they do that first thing and they're fearful they're not going to have a second thing. Um, Are you seeing in your travels and as you've developed this idea over the past few years and your conversations, are you running into that, that type two kind of entrepreneur who can you know, come up with ideas and ideate pretty quickly? And are you seeing that uh, also coming out of, you know, creative agencies or, you know, where, who's germinating those types of folks? You know, speaking, I funny you use the word germinating. And, um, you know, I was now, I'll quote the other keynote from yesterday, Walter Isaacson speaking about Einstein. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that on Einstein's deathbed, he wrote nine, literally almost, I think he mentioned, if I'm correct, that he died with a pen in his hand and the pen fell off the bed. He wrote nine pages of equations and algorithms. 
never stopping, never relenting, saying, just give me 10 minutes more, five minutes more. What if I could just go that little bit further? And, and, and you know, what I've noticed as well is, and here's the important point when you think about startups today. Look, we all talk about the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Foursquares even, even though, you know, we've been debating Foursquare this morning as well. Um, but for every Instagram, there are 10,000 companies that will never become Instagram. For every Instagram, there's 500 companies that look exactly like Instagram. Exactly. And, and, and all the companies that will never get to be the next Facebook. And so, and so those, are the, you know, those are the companies I'm interested in. I, I'm a mentor at the Founders Institute in the New York chapter. And, and you know, every semester, we see another 10, 20 of these startups coming in. And, and you know, I was at the graduation for the second course that I've mentored. And one of the founders from the first, um, you know, from the first class came up to me and, and we said, hey, how's it going? And we chat a little bit. And I said, so how's the startup going? He goes, oh, I'm working on something else now. Um, I said, well, what happened to it? He said, well, <clears throat> excuse me. He said, about a couple of weeks after I graduated, YouTube came out with the same thing. And so he didn't even look at it as, you know, there was no, um, there was no, there was no regret. He just went on to the next thing. And, and I just find that I see more and more people, and this is an important point, which is it is the pivot, right? It is the whole lean startup pivot. You can pivot within a startup and you can pivot by moving to another startup. Because if you are truly, I mean, let's be honest, guys, we all talk about advertising marketing. The ideas business. You hear all these agency ex- executives and brands going, the big idea, the small idea. But if we are in the ideas business, then that is still the kernel and the spark that is the conduit or the catalyst to create the next great thing or the next great startup. It's such a good point about the pivot. I do a lot of angel investing and advising and boards and those kind of things in the startup community now. And I have learned somewhat the hard way over the last few years as an investor that you really are wise to invest in the people, not the idea, because the not strictly the idea, because the idea will change. The idea will change either by force of market or or just you know in the process of becoming a full fledged company. The idea will change, and if you become in love with an idea and you're like, well, this is a great idea, but I don't love those guys, uh, then you are typically more disappointed than if you're like, I love these guys, and I'm not sure this is exactly the right idea, but but this team is strong enough that they will find a way to be a successful company. And, and uh, I, I, when I screen investing opportunities now, I really look as much, if not more, at the people than I do uh, at the idea. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, and again, coming back to the world of marketing, I mean, and we heard Jim Collins talk about that yesterday as well, talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it all comes down to people, and, which is great. I mean, because, you know, part of this, this uh, juxtaposition or this contradiction in a way is man versus the machine. And it's not man versus the machine. It's man and the machine. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, Google self-driving car. So the debate is not really, will the self-driving car replace humans on the road and how will human cars and self-driving cars interact? That's not the debate. The real interesting um, coming together of of humans and machines is that the self-driving car may very well imagine what it's going to do for the blind and for arthritic riddled patients and for the sick and for the elderly that and for the handicapped that's the the real you know that's the prize i can see you're smiling jeff you know well, I'm that, smiling. that's the prize not this idea of putting people out of business it's creating new opportunities and new lives uh, i'll take it further i wrote an article for media post about a year back now uh, about the fact that boy if this comes to fruition think about how it's going to completely revolutionize the rental car industry mm-hmm. um you're you know when you're over in europe 
Um, you know, I've never rented a car in London because I just <laughs> Who wants that kind of aggravation? I, I just cannot flip my brain that way unless I go through some training or something else and I've never had the time. But I could go over there, I could rent a car, it could take me through, it would know the areas that I want to go Does to. Does the self driving car ruin Uber? I think it maybe becomes Uber. Shouldn't Uber be looking at that? Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, it's funny you, you bring up uh, Uber because Uber is also um, a central part of this uh, philosophy in terms of bringing brands and startups together. Sure. It, it's a question that I ask, which is, what's your inefficiency? Um, so, you know, Uber was started by two guys who said, you know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, hey, we could <clears> never <throat> get a, a cab or a car in San Francisco and we needed it, so we started Uber. But the inefficiency is the fact that uh, for those of you that, you know, that have ever lived or visited New York City, you would know this to be true. Whenever you need a cab, you can never get one. And whenever you don't need a cab, they're literally running you off the road. And so the whole idea is if you look at this tremendous inefficiency on the demand and the supply side, Uber literally corrects it, you know, at at the click of a button or at the touch of a screen. And so in a way, you know, I, I, I agree with what Jeff was saying as well, which maybe it does become Uber, but until it becomes that, you know, that now I'm trying to take that idea and bring it to brands, which is you guys have got problems. Yeah. You guys all day long, you put these creative briefs together saying people don't like you anymore. People are getting older. People are turning away. People are switching. You know, people don't believe you. Um, you know, people saying bad things about you. And unfortunately, that brief, that expression of the problem, you, you seem to be satisfied with, with the solution, which is ads. Seriously, you can do better. And I believe that better solution is in the form of collaboration with entrepreneurs and that e by the way i'm not that i'm trying to segue to zero but that e is the e of zero as well entrepreneurship which is not just collaboration with startups not just embracing technology but also partnering with entrepreneurs i know one of the things that you do at at evolution is called brand watch where you you help brands kind of figure out their innovation needs is that what you're describing that piece of the of the recipe it's actually kind of almost like um uh there are two really it's it's education and execution but it's really education and evaluation that then informs execution so the one is to educate and educate across what we call the entire innovation continuum so digital social mobile and emerging we're not saying startups are the next big thing because startups always were Right. The big the thing. thing, yeah. You know, and yeah. if you look at whether it's Hewlett well, and Pat and, and every and, every company was originally a startup every, by, de- by definition, hundred percent. And you look at you know, literally HP started in a garage. Yeah. So what we're trying to say is startups are robust and living large across digital, social, mobile, and emerging. And so we've used that as the framework, and that is to educate, uh, evaluate, and inform such that we can empower execution. And, that, and, of course, execution will inform their education and their evaluation. So it really is a closed loop that says, you know, understand and then do. Because, you know, what, how do you describe this podcast um, when you introduced it? It's the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. And, and the real work part is the important part. And that's why, you know, I, I'm going to ask myself a question, if I may, <laughs> as a podcaster myself, which is... We're going to go to the bathroom. You just take, you take it from there. <laughs> So, Joe, you know, why are you a massacre? No, but, but the idea was like, you know, why did I start Crayon, my previous company? Why did I start Evolution? Why not just shave my head and become a Seth Godin, you know, kind of uh, lookalike in a sense? Why not just go the route of standing on a stage and saying you're all dumb and you're all, you know, you're all dinosaurs. And, and it's so easy to be an author and to be a speaker and to be able to take the stage if you love doing that, which we all do. Um, and the answer is, I like doing real work. Yeah. I like seeing 
the fact that these concepts, I mean, I told this story yesterday to a couple of people. Um, and, and, you know, I, I got in the mail, it's still the, one of my best moments of my career, um, a pair of diamond earrings uh, with a street value of about $1,500 sent to me by a company that, uh, that basically is direct-to-consumer uh, 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 e-commerce with, of diamonds and, and jewelry. And it, there was a handwritten note from the CEO saying, your book, Flip the Funnel, um, has basically either earned or, or saved us over a million dollars. Um, and this is the least we could do to say wow. thank you. So being able to even see the concepts, the bow tie. Who needs an advance if people are sending you jewelry? That's a great uh, well, that, like that, that model. I'm questioning the earring choice. I, I would have liked something, you know, a little chunkier perhaps. You know, pinky maybe, ring? Pinky, oh, pinky yeah, ring. Didn't that would have been good. Because they also had the insight to realize that, uh, you know. You're a giver. You're a giver, else, not a taker. Somebody else who was You're a giver, not a taker. While you were at you that know, it, exactly. <laughs> and so I, I, think, I think, you know, that idea of being able to see the concepts mm-hmm. being implemented and embraced and actually working. That's why execution is so yeah. important. Let me ask you one more question quickly about uh, about evolution, then we'll talk about zero. Uh, I know you recently finished a, a project at the company with Mondelez, where you took eight of their consumer product brands and matched them up with different startups right. that you're familiar with. Can you talk a little bit about that process and, and sort of what what your role is in that in that sort of matchmaking? Uh, sure. Well, there, there were middle. there were nine. There were actually nine brands working with nine startups. To execute nine. What are programs. some of the brands just so people can conduct well, those in ninety days? Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, there was, um, there was, there was, there were a bunch of, of um, you know, interesting ones like Waze, for example. Mm-hmm. And literally, we partnered with Waze, um, <clears throat> which is a, an app that helps you uh, route the best traffic pattern. That people and, play with. and we worked with Waze just before they were acquired. But the one that I want to talk about is, and it's, I just love it. It's uh, Sal Patch working with Keep. You know, so, did you have to eat some Sour Patch Kids, Sour Patch Candy, love, as part of this project? I love Sour Patch. You really do? I love. I cannot. I, love, I can't handle it. I love. My kids eat the crap out of the Sour Patch, and I cannot deal with it. It's too I, much. I'm like really? a kid because I love to pull the ugliest faces. The, the more sour it is, yeah. You know, it's the so, Instagram account that writes itself, right? Oh, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you that exactly. So the thing about Sour Patch, well, for those of those people, Snapchat that actually, yeah, the Sour Patch Snapchat that would be, yeah. And and Snapchat did something great with sixteen handles, by the way. Oh yeah, so, which I'll yeah. come back. I'll come back to if there's time. But the, so Keep, for those of you that don't know, is basically a it's a rewards based platform um, that uses predominantly now gaming to basically give something back. So when you level up uh, or you get a high score or you achieve a certain goal, you get a reward, a coupon. And it's called a, Keep. It's called Keep K I I P. And uh, and the founder of Keep is I think he's twenty one now, but when he but. But, but by the age of 19, when I think he founded it, he'd already kind of sold three startups. It's one of these just geniuses. Brian is just, you know, he's the kind of guy that makes your head hurt. Um, <laughs> but the thing about this particular campaign, and then I'll talk about the program, um, is that, you know, Sour Patch has a platform called Sour Moments. Um, and so with Keep, it was all about rewarding people when they level up or achieve mm-hmm. high scores. We flipped that on its head. And instead, what we did is we rewarded people when they died when they actually flamed out, when they didn't achieve the goal. So a sour moment literally was turned into a sweet moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the redemption rates, on, and we, we kind of A-B tested the rewards and the failures. The redemption rates on the sour moments were, you know, multiple X, exponentially better than the actual rewards because it was on brand and on strategy. 
And because people may understood the connection in a sense, you know, it was incredible to see how people responded. That's what happens when a brand collaborates with a startup and, and, and does it for the right reasons. So this program, which by the way, uh, right now um, I'll be in Sao Paulo next week um, at the next stage. So now we're running it for Brazil and, and yeah, hopefully cool. a couple more countries to come. Um, the idea was we actually struck, we moved beyond the, you know, as I said in the presentation yesterday, there is inherently a disconnect between startups and brands because, you know, brands like m my good friend Shiv Singh, who now is at Visa, who was at mm -hmm. PepsiCo, he was like, you know, hey, startups, we're not your get rich quick, you know, monetization strategy. And startups are pushing back to the brand saying, well, we're not your creative agency. So, you know, there is a bit of a disconnect when it comes to these, these two sides collaborating. Because, you know, brands are like, hey, we want to do something that's never, I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. We want to do something that's never been done before, that's out the box, that's completely unprecedented. And oh, by the way, we only have $1,000. And so it's important to connect the dots and scale. And that's what the Mondelez's Mobile Futures program does. It says this is a bigger commitment. And I have to give credit to Bon and Bo, our client, ex-Pepsi mm -hmm. and PepsiCo 10, who, who recognize that you got to be in it to win it. We're not talking about boiling the ocean. We're not talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars, but we're also not talking about a thousand dollar test. So there's yeah. got to be a, a level of scale, not too much and not too little to succeed. So shifting <clears throat> gears to zero, um, quite a different process bringing that book to market. Can you tell people a little bit about uh, the journey through uh, Kickstarter and why you chose uh, Kickstarter? Uh, it's, I don't even know where to begin with, with zero. Um, I was writing a different book. Um, and at the time, my uh, co-author, Martin Albada, who was my client at Coke and then AV InBev, he was still at AV InBev at the time. Um, him and, and the global CMO of AV InBev, we had, a, we had a chat. And what we spoke about was essentially the, the kernel of zero, um, of you know, a frustration or this belief that there's got to be a better way forward. And so I came up with the, uh, the name Zero and the concept uh, of zero paid media as the new marketing model. Um, and the reason why, you know, I, when I, in my presentations, I say, well, life after the 30-second spot was about new media. Um, join the conversation about social media. Flip the funnel about customer service. Zero is about common sense. You know, zero is about connecting all those dots and actually recognizing that brands today don't need to be renters, they can be landlords. They don't, have to, or they don't have to go to market through middlemen anymore and rent. They can own uh, and they truly can build these incredible, sustaining, valuable um, and limitless relationships with their customers. So, so when Martin left AB InBev, um, we came together and said, let's make this book a reality. Um, and we went the self-publishing route initially um, and then we decided to self-fund the self-publishing uh, uh, project through Kickstarter. We raised $51,000 through Kickstarter. Um, and uh, I'm happy to say Exact Target contributed as well, um, a Salesforce.com company. Um, and uh, TM. TM. Uh, yeah, or C. Uh, all, all rights reserved. <laughs> and, um, you know, $51,000 makes it the second most funded business or marketing book in Kickstarter's history behind the bald guy. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, but it, amidst, amidst this, this project, um, Wiley and I started talking again and they wanted to publish the book. And so I brought the book back to Wiley. And so I'm now my, uh, my managing editor's 
uh, I, I'm his first four-time author. Um, and the question is, why did we bring it back to Wiley? Uh, and, and there are two answers. One of the answers is we needed this book to be in stores. Yeah. This book is a, a book for C-suite executives predominantly, and we want to make sure that they Airport are bookstores, it. regular bookstores. A- absolutely. Yeah. And, and the second part of that is, you know, Zero is not about abandon the old. In fact, you know, Zero talks about your stores are one of the O of owned assets. Why not leverage these incredible assets that you have, these installations, not just on the outside in terms of the actual signage, but inside in terms of maximizing that customer experience. And so, you know, we went back to Wiley um, and we had to do something that was still authentically zero. So, of course, we took a zero advance. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even have a conversation. In fact, part of getting the deal was that we had to get a zero advance because if we got even a penny, it wouldn't have felt as authentic. Right. So what did you do with the Kickstarter funds? So the Kickstarter funds we're using towards, well, first of all, we're going to fulfill the fulfill books, the books and, yeah. and, uh, and there's, you know, webinars and, and breaking bread with us and, and, and various, you know, rewards that we obviously have to fulfill. Um, but we're also using it to kind of fund the book as well. The marketing, you know, yeah. websites, you know, kind of, you know, just being able to invest in the book as well. So to date, you know, Martin and I have invested zero in the book. Because in a way, you know, zero, as you could probably pick up as an acronym, it stands for zealots, entrepreneurship, retention, and owned assets. We are investing that back thanks to our customer into the actual asset that is zero. And by the way, Kickstarter is a zero case study. The E of entrepreneurship is the actual innovative platform that is crowdfunding. The Z of zealots and the R of retention is how we actually acquired the funding and how we used our fans and, and our subscribers, fans, friends, followers, etc., to our audience, right, to, to kind of help fund us. And then the O of owned assets, of course, was using ourselves, using you know, the piece of content that we created, the video, and being able to leverage our own hubs, our own equity, Jaffe Juice, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And we put that at the back of the book <clears throat> to actually say, still don't believe in zero? Well, if you contribute it to Kickstarter or Kickstarter itself is proof that it works, very meta. You know, the other thing about Kickstarter that's interesting is it, it helps you build an audience, a launchpad audience, because you're able to communicate with those folks who have contributed. Do you have any interesting plans beyond just, you know, fulfillment uh, of what they're, what they're owed um, to kind of, you know, bring them along in the process? I, I think that's a really, you know, that's a really great point. And, um, you know, one of the things we did, um, you know, I'm still figuring... So I'll take just one tiny step back. I've always believed, and in fact, this was my journey with Martin. Martin was uh, a typical, uh, and I'm saying this endearingly and with a a big smile on my face. You can see the smile. Um, He was was the good kind of ignorant client. And and most brand managers today are are ignorant to a degree. That's why they need agencies. Um, And I mean this in a complimentary fashion because... The people that know what they don't know are the people that, that, that I like to associate myself. You know, I think, I don't even know if it was Jim or someone else who spoke about it. the most dangerous people are the people that don't know what they don't know. Right. Yep. Um, because they think they know everything, therefore. I've got the headline picked out for this podcast. It will be the magic of ignorance will, the, be, the, will be the headline. Well, you know, that, that is your right as, as the person <laughs> who has the podcast. So it'll have a big old picture of Joseph right next to it. Right. Going, I don't know anything. <laughs> so, so the thing with Martin is, you know, we, went, we undertook a journey together, Martin and I, um, to the point where 
the student became the teacher to the point where when he got engaged, I called him up and I said, what the, you know, like, why didn't you tell me you were engaged? And he was like, dude, it was on my Facebook page. So, <laughs> you know, his, his, his whole life through, you know, transparent, his transparency in terms of documenting his life came from this belief that if you want to understand technology, you have to experience it yourself. And, and I say this, you know, uh, and, and I'm not being funny about it, but you can't read about it in a book, even mine, you know, you have to do it yourself, just do it. And so with Kickstarter, you know, I know more about Kickstarter than anyone who's never done a Kickstarter campaign, no matter how much they've read on it, because yep. I experience it. Yep. My initial campaign was rejected by Kickstarter. And after all the work I I've was done, there when you got the email and, and I had to figure out how to like go back and, and yeah. realize how, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of Kickstarter. So by experiencing it as well, um, you know, it, it was great. I mean, I, so I'll tell you what I did to answer your question now. Um, one of the, at a, at a very, I think low level was that you would get a 140 character plug in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that idea because I mean, <clears> once upon a time when we were all buying books as, as, young, uh, young business uh, men in this room. Um, we never thought we could ever contact the author. We never thought that author was available, that we could ever have a dialogue with them. And now every author is on Twitter, right? Yep. So, so now not only can you contact the author, but, but you can actually have ongoing conversations with them. And, and so, so for us, what we did is we put a 140 character plug in the book. And, and because, I mean, who wouldn't want to see their name? Whenever I get a book from, you know, one of you guys that, that you've written, I immediately, we all do this. I go to the index and see if I was mentioned in the book, yeah. you know, because it's just, 100%. you know, it, it, it's a great feeling to know that, especially, I mean, you know, I mentioned you, you mentioned me, Jeff, yeah. you know, the, the fact that you've said my book is one of the three books and one of the three authors that has inspired you in a sense. So you think I'm not going to help promote your book? Not because you did it to get me to promote the book, but I want to help you succeed. And so... All of those 140 character plugs, I didn't do it. There's no Machiavellian plot here. Yep. But, but hopefully those people are going to say, hey, look, there's me in the book and be able to tell other people. And that's part of this process of flipping the funnel, right? How from the few comes the many. That's what I like about uh, Zero. I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued to see how this plays out because in many ways uh, it, it, it's its own living case study. And, uh, you know, flip the funnel is something... Um, you know, passion project, great idea, released it, very traditional cycle. This one's a collaborative process for you, so that's new. The socialization of it through Kickstarter, both in funding and post-publication, is going to be fascinating. Uh, and then just to see how it resonates. So uh, excited, certainly, to, to see it come out for yeah, you look, and see it's, how it it's, does. It's a very, very powerful and somewhat controversial message, but it's a message... Do you really believe that message? I mean, do you really believe that, that zero paid media is possible or, or is that a, a red herring to engage people in the dialogue around this theme? So I think that it's definitely, it's definitely not, uh, you know, I, I'm not controversial to be controversial. And I'm not, you know, the provocativeness is to be thought-provoking. Um, I don't need to resort to any any gimmicks or, or, or you're not going to be swinging from a wrecking ball in a video promoting this with, or with, with my dancing with bears with, on with, the MTV stage with my body, know. with my body. Um, you know, well, that, seeing that we're getting that, it in the full, that, yes, in the, in the, yeah, yes. yes. That, that might, as you can see Please, from my naked yourself. body, yes. yeah, uh, that would never ever you're happen. Positively glistening. We'll leave that to Miley Cyrus though. So how do I follow that? Up? Um, <laughs> so, you know, yes, I do. I mean, I believe, so the premise is, and it's a very important little, this is my get out of jail free card. 
Um, in a perfect world, right, brands would not need to spend a dime on paid media because they would have enough customers, enough word of mouth, enough referrals, enough advocacy, enough passion, enough relationships with partners and entrepreneurs, and enough owned assets <clears throat> to be able to build their business and build their brand from the inside out. And now, the world is not perfect. That does not mean, I don't believe, that zero paid media is the new marketing model. And, and it is built on two important points. One, we both believe, um, and we, we put enough documentation in the book. You guys have written your entire books on, you know, prolif- every, we all start the same way, proliferation, noise, clutter, you know, fragmentation, <clears throat> one in three, 50% mobile. The fact is, that is the tip of the iceberg. Here is the smoking gun. The smoking gun is the fact that media inflation is outpacing and outstripping economic inflation to the point where the bottom may fall out, the entire media model. And that is not, you know, the end is nigh and the sky is falling. That is a reality. The reality right now is within the next five years or even sooner or even sooner, brands are not going to be able to afford to be able to buy the minimum acceptable level of share of voice and reach and frequency in traditional channels, let alone non-traditional channels, to be able to achieve their goals and therefore their quarterly uh, results and expectations. And if that happens, then literally there will be a collapse. So we're trying to avert that collapse in a sense by saying, actually, it's worse than you think. Martin believes, and he's the marketer, he's the guy you know, he's the guy spending the money. He's spending the money. He's the yeah. guy that bought the Super Bowl commercials. Maybe not him personally, but he was part of that yeah. Anheuser Busch InBev. You know, Martin's the guy who believes. Not- he actually has a Clydesdale, right? He, he gets one. It's like <laughs> he rides to work in his yeah. Clydesdale. It's amazing. He it, it's, it's actually a self-driving Clydesdale. <laughs> I think that's the name of the podcast. But Martin believes it's happened. It's happening now. I believe it's coming. He believes it's happening. He believes the perfect storm is upon us. I believe it's coming. So in actual fact, he's even more alarmist than I am in a sense. Amazing. And, and I think the point that we say in the book is, if we're wrong, well, then it costs you, the co- cost you 20 bucks to buy a book and maybe rounding errors to, you know, conduct one of these pilot programs with a startup yeah. and maybe, yeah. you know, improve your customer service a little bit and, and figure out a new way to kind of, you know, activate your, activate your employees and, so, and, and your content because what are your owned assets, right? I haven't gone into zero in... In earnest, but I think you get it. But owned assets, your people, your product, your packaging, your stores, your content, your website, your clothing, etc. So if if we're wrong, then you got a little bit better on, on the other things that you might have been neglecting, you know, retention, right? If we're right, it's going to save your brand, your business, your job, your life, the world, your industry. I mean, so so it's a, it's a lose-lose proposition here, really. When is the book? I mean, I'm sorry, it's a, it's, it's a win-win proposition, depending on which one you go to. When is the book available? The book is available October 14th. Coming right up. Right. October 14th. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Excited. Um, we are going to do some commercials because I was neglectful. Enraptured. I was enraptured by 
the nudity in the room and oh, did I not. Uh, for, I thought you were going for zero paid media. Zero. <laughs> yes, yes. This podcast is not <laughs> adhering. This podcast is not adhering to the zero paid media model. Um, but I've I appreciate zero that. Zero paid clothing. Zero paid clothing. I like that. Uh, speaking of podcasts, two things quickly. One, if you don't listen to Joe's podcast, Jaffe Juice, you absolutely should do that. It is legendary and fantastic, and one of the best podcasts out there. Also, just as a uh, a little side note, recently um, Joe uh, merged and, and purchased um, the Beancast uh, podcast, which is really a fantastic show. More on the advertising side, I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on that program a few times, and, and Joe's a frequent guest. And Bob Norp, who is the host of that show and a very, very smart marketer in his own right, uh, is now part of your team, yes? That's right. And I mean, that's another of the owned assets as well. That's part yeah. of this kind of evolution thought leadership. But but as you know, if you do listen to the Beancast, absolutely almost nothing has changed. Yeah. You know, I come on once once a month, like I always promised I would, and, you know, and, and he still gives me a tough time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's all good. It's a great show. We'll make sure to link both of those up in the notes. Uh, this podcast is underwritten by the good folks at Exact Target, a salesforce.com company. Uh, we are here, as mentioned, at Exact Target Connections 2013, 6,000 digital marketers. Uh, I had the real uh, treat of uh, speaking alongside Jim Collins yesterday in a special session for uh, key clients of Exact Target. That was a real life thrill. This is a great event. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about um, Exact Targets, uh, whatever we're supposed to be talking about this week. I'm going to talk about Jeff's new book, Audience. Um, Jeff's uh, new book, Audience, uh, Marketing in the Age of Subscribers, Fans, and Followers, uh, will be out in November. Yep. Uh, November fantastic 11. book. We're going to actually end up doing a, a show with Jeff. It'll be weird. Jeff will be the guest instead of the co-host. Um, we're going to do that a little bit later, but I want you to be thinking about this book, Audience. You can get more information about it at audiencepro.com. So take a look at that. We'll talk more about that soon. Also want to remind you this podcast is underwritten by the good folks at XBeyond. Zena is obviously not here in the room with us nor would she be caught dead in a slanket. Uh, XBeyond, I, I keynoted their conference last week. Terrific event in Raleigh. Had a lot of fun. Um, as you know, we are still giving away a few more copies of Utility, since we're talking books, for folks that review this podcast. And we've had several people take us up on that offer. Thanks very much. So go ahead and review Social Pros, honestly, uh, on iTunes. Send me a copy of it, and I will get you a signed copy of Utility. XBeyond also has a terrific uh, new research report that we mentioned last week called Fave 50, the Social Retail Report where XBion analyzed 16,000 Facebook posts amongst uh, a whole litany of retail brands and come up with a bunch of best practices about uh, how to create fan engagement and actions and really do Facebook well. It's terrific stuff. Even if you're not in retail, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that report. You could grab that for free right now, and I suggest you do. Go to ar.gy slash fave50. That's ar.gy fave50. Uh, all lowercase. One more, and then we'll get into uh, the four-year information. This podcast also brought to you by the good folks at Janrain, who are a strategic partner of Exact Target. Janrain has a big presence here at the conference as well. They, of course, provide social sharing, social login, and social profile data collection services to lots and lots of big companies all around the world. Um, you should, if you haven't already, we've been talking about it for a little while. So if you haven't done this, do it, because I think they're going to switch it out soon. Make sure you grab their free ebook uh, all about how to boost your data quality, how to improve your conversion rates for forums and things of that nature on your site. Really good tips from those guys. You can get that now at ar.gy slash better registration. That's ar.gy slash better registration, all lowercase. And thanks as always to our friends at Jan Rain. All right, Joe, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you uh, four questions, the for your information. I'm going to have you answer these questions with uh, extreme brevity so that we can get Jeff to his next session on time. Are we ready? Speed round. 
Yes, no, maybe 42. Perfect. Thanks. Very good. Um, first question. Uh, how did you originally get involved in social media? How did that happen? Because you were an agency guy originally, right? And how did this happen? I'm trying to remember, actually. I mean, it, I, it, was, it was a natural evolution from being a digital guy who then recognized, like, I guess the spark would be digital being interactive meant there was somebody on the other side. Yeah. Um, and so um, I don't actually know the answer. I, I, I wish I could tell you it was a red clue train manifesto or something like that. But I think it was. What was just, your first social network? LinkedIn? Mine was LinkedIn for sure. I was like one of the first hundred people on that network. You know, honestly, uh, the first, I'll, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the spark. The spark was 2005. Um, Life after the 32nd spot comes out. And I call my publisher about a week before the book goes to print and, and, and say, I think I need to include a page on this thing called blogging because I'm going to look dumb if I don't. And so I put in a page about blogging and podcasting. I also in 2005 started my first blog and podcast. So I think it was just this idea of when you are out in front and when you are embracing new yeah. technology, um, it just was a very natural evolution for me. Second question, what do you like best about social media these days? I thought the question was going to be, what don't I like about social That will be the next question. Days? You know, I, 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 still, I still think, um, you know, <laughs> I, I go back to join the conversation, right? Um, it, was, it was listen, respond, um, you know, be invited to join, catalyze, and then start conversations. And I still think, you know, as I say to marketers, listening without responding is tantamount to eavesdropping. So I still believe in the power of response and responsiveness. And I still cannot understand why, for example, when you say something out there to someone famous, they don't respond because I've seen how gaga people go when somebody responds that they never thought yeah. would have even known that they it's that, it's that expectation difference, which is the real so, magic. So they, that's the answer. It is still the serendipity and the surprise and delight, which have, which are all about absolute basic elements of of you know communication and relationship building. Yeah, George Clooney, answer my tweets. Have you been tweeting Clooney? He won't respond. Why? I don't know. What, no, but why are you tweeting? But why are you tweeting George Clooney? I'm not joking. Oh, you. I mean, <laughs> my, my you first, said that with such wouldn't conviction. You, wouldn't, you like, wouldn't you like to talk to George Clooney? I mean, that's a lifestyle. Eh. My, my first eh. surprise response was Suzanne Summers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Suzanne Summers? Something about weight loss. She's <laughs> like keep the it thigh, up. She thigh mastered you. Thigh mastered because because when I bought my Wyatt's Wi-Fi scale, every time I stood on it at Facebook and tweeted yeah. my, yeah. my my weight. Uh, I'll see so, your Suzanne Summers. I'll raise you John Tesh. Yeah, got in a nice little Twitter conversation with John Tesh one day. I don't know that that's a raise, but I appreciate the sentiment. Oh, John yeah. Tesh is. I mean, we need to do a social mentions analysis of Suzanne Summers versus John Tesh and see uh, oh, where I mean, we're at. Tesh will destroy Suzanne Summers. Perhaps now. I think Suzanne Summers may be on the yeah, but on the downside. Suzanne Summers is is important. Still to first to you. Uh, so, third question, and you uh, prefaced it. What do you like least about the social medias? Yeah, I mean, just it, it's it's the thing I've always liked least. It's the noise above the John signal. Tesh. Yeah, it's John Tesh, and it's tactics uh, in search of strategy. And there's still so there, you know, there's so much of that. And I also just hate the fact, as I said in my in my presentation yesterday, that uh, you know, in 2011, IBM, um, you know, kind of documented that only 23% of Fortune 500 companies are have a direct to consumer blog. So, you know, all the best parts of it, we've forgotten and neglected because they're not sexy enough and because we're in search of the next big thing. So it's the next big thing syndrome. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, last question for you. And thank you for your time today. I know you've got a busy schedule. 
if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? With any living person? Yes. You know, the, here's the funny thing is there's, there's no one that I really uh, want to talk to besides the people, quite frankly, that I'm talking to right now. I mean, I, you know... You know, I'm, I, I, it's because we're so tolerant you know, of his nudity. I, and I, you know, it's because we're in the same room. That's right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I don't mean to. I don't mean you guys specifically. Oh, 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 oh then wait a second. <laughs> then, then I just, I had to, I had to like get get the ego down a bit. No, but I, you know, it, it's just it's being in the now. It's, yeah. it's the moment. Yeah. And it's and it's the fact that you can just have these incredible conversations. You know, just if you're if you're open to having them with people that are just like you and people that aren't like you. So I don't, I don't any day try and, you know, if, if anything, you know, most of my Twitter conversations today are are about Tottenham, about, uh, about Spurs and, you know, and it's, I would be more excited if one of the uh, Spurs uh, footballers was to respond to my tweets than quite frankly, you know, than, than Bill Gates or John Tesh or, you know, who, who is the number one Tottenham Hotspur player that you would like to Skype with? Well, as you know, being a Spurs fan as well, we're we're in this period of transition, of renewal, and trying to figure out who the new hero is and who our favorite is. But you know, I've always I've always loved Aaron Lennon. I, I don't need any of them to respond. It's it's AVB. I'm uh, it's Spurs manager AVB. He's the coolest guy. He's younger than I am, and you know, I've just renamed my fantasy football team AVB Stubble um, because apparently the name Fighting Cox was considered to be. Uh, offensive. I was personally offended. So you know that you know that's that that's my answer as well. It's, it's a good one. It's not uh, you know I do love. I will say I know we all have to run, but you know I love the fact that Jim Collins went and spoke to Peter Drucker. I will say that I've had that moment before, which was I shared cocktails and forty-five minutes just one-on-one with nobody else around with uh, Philip Kotler, with Professor Kotler, who you know was instrumental in every one of my textbooks I learned marketing from was his. So that was, that was an amazing moment for me that I will never forget. Um, and, and I'm lucky and fortunate and humbled by the fact that I don't covet the next conversation. You know, I just, I really celebrate the one that I just had. Well said. Thank you very much for being here. For Thank the you words And for your, everything that you were doing, really excited about zero, uh, best of luck with that. Anything that we can do to, to help make it a big success, um, obviously we will do so. I, I would just say you just did. And, uh, you know, I am big fans. I return the favor because your, you your books, your thought leadership, both of you, um, this I do genuinely mean and, and earnest about. Um, utility, audience, two of, of quite possibly the most important concepts um, and I think uh, pathways to success that anyone serious about succeeding should take to heart. Thank you very much. Uh, last reminder, this podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Cision, leading provider of software, services, and tools to the public relations industry. Also a terrific content marketing suite. We actually just turned up Cision uh, for Convince and Convert the other day and are using them to power some stuff on Outbrain and Taboola and have generated like thousands of visits to our site in like three days. Uh, at a very low cost. So I'm really excited about that, introducing kind of what we do to a larger audience through Cision. They have an interesting uh, downloadable ebook as well called Power Your Story, Content Marketing Essentials. You should grab that as well while you're grabbing stuff at ar.gy slash power story, ar.gy slash power story, all lowercase. Thanks as always to the fine folks at Cision, who I'm going to have a chance to meet with uh, in Chicago next week. I'm excited about that. Speaking of next week, because I will be on the road, I will not be on the show. Uh, but Jeff and Zena will be uh, bringing you a smashing uh, version of Social Pros. Jeff, who is on the show next week? 
John Tesh. John Tesh is going to be the guest. I might as well work on that. Plus Suzanne Summers. Uh, actually, that's not true. Uh, I have here uh, on the list, we're going to be talking, or you are going to be talking uh, to the good folks from TV Land. Ah, uh, yes, TV Land. TV Land. I think we're still working on that. TV so Land. The ink hasn't dried on the deal. Uh, so. The cable channel, uh, TV Land, and, and also Digital Presence. So there's um, more of a chance that Suzanne Summers will actually be on the podcast that would be TV amazing. Land as the guest than John That Tesh. would be amazing. So. Uh, TV Land in particular is doing some really interesting things um, with integrating social media into their email. It's slick, slick, slick. Uh, so uh, Jeff and Zine are going to drill down on that next week. Don't miss that show. Uh, it's going to be some stuff that we haven't talked about in the past that a lot of you are going to say, I want that right now. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. We appreciate your support. We see your reviews. Send me a review. I will send you a signed book. Thanks, as always, to uh, Joe Jaffe, Jeff Roars. I am Jay Bear from Convince a Convert. Until next time, keep doing the work. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Okay, coming through. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to presenting sponsor Exact Target, as well as Cision, Janrain, and XPI. Now, get back to work.